I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class. I've never even put anything in a quilt show. But I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Welcome to episode 19, In Which We Go Hawaiian. Aloha! I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter. I fully expect, by the way, that y'all are dressed in, you know, tropical prints and flip-flops while you're listening to this podcast. Maybe you've poured yourself some sort of frothy concoction of whatever, you know, beverage of your choosing, and if you have sand anywhere near you, maybe you're digging your toes in it, or just playing some, you know, tropical music in the background, but get in the mood, because you know what, we're talking about Hawaii, so make sure that you're feeling the spirit as you're listening. I am finally home from Hawaii, where it was actually cooler than it is here in western New York. Go figure, I don't think that ever happens. And I'm dealing with a six-hour time difference, still not sleeping the way I should be, so forgive me, I am most likely going to be having, shall we call them, some mental burps as we go along. I'll do the best I can. Um, In this episode, I am certainly going to tell you all about my trip to Hawaii, or at least that part of most interest to quilters. I have a couple of shops to tell you about. I'm going to play some audio show and tell with my fabricy souvenirs. And then I have a great interview with Anne Fujiwara, a quilter and designer in the traditional Hawaiian style, to share with you. I really can't wait. It was so exciting to get the interview, and I'm really looking forward to sharing it with you too. First, though, then we're going to spend a little bit of time with some listener comments and a very short Sandy update, and then we'll get rolling. I do want to give you a short note about volume levels. The volume should be fine for you while it's just me talking, but when it comes to the interview, it might get a little bit quieter. I record interviews on the road with a small digital voice recorder, and it picks up really pretty darn well for its size, but it picks up everything. It's very indiscriminating in terms of what it uh, picks up. So if I crank the volume to get our voices up louder, you will also get all of the background noise and eventually a lot of static and distortion in the background as well. Um, The digital voice recorder, they're great. Um, I get a lot of great interviews that way, but they can be a little tricky to work with. So I'll do the best I can with the tools I have, and hopefully you will still be able to hear the interview just fine. So let me start by saying thank you to everyone for listening. I always appreciate listeners. That's always a good thing. I checked my stats this week, and it seems to me that we've picked up a few new folks. So um, shout out to new listeners. Woohoo! Thank you. That's fantastic. It always makes me feel better to know that I'm not just talking to myself up here in my home office. Um, Not that I don't actually talk to myself on a fairly regular basis. I think that's one of the hazards of working from home in an empty house alone all day. I just usually, you know, cover my tracks that way by pretending I'm talking to the dogs for real. I also want to say thanks to everyone who has signed up for the newsletter. I will be getting the second issue out hopefully sometime next week. I have realized that now that I'm doing a newsletter, I have to be a little bit careful that I don't put all the good stuff in the show notes and my blog and leave myself nothing over to talk about in the newsletter. Um, So although I will have a couple of links related to this episode in the show notes, I'm also going to put some information and resources about Hawaiian quilting in the next newsletter as well. So you will want to get subscribed to that if you're not. Remember, it's free and it's monthly. 
Um, so these are the ways you can be in touch with me. Main way, the only one you really need to remember is www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. That's the show notes for this uh, podcast. There's also a couple of extra tabs along the top. You'll find the information about the Summer Creativity Challenge there. You will find a page of shops that I have visited, and other folks also leave comments uh, reviewing shops that they have visited. So if you're about to hit the road, you might want to check that page and see if there's any shops listed near where you are. And certainly once you come home and you've found shops, make sure you add them to that page as well. Share the wealth. Uh, There's also a page there that we'll talk about a little bit later you know your quilter when you can also subscribe to the free monthly newsletter with a link on the right hand side of that page i think it says something like subscribe to the newsletter uh sorry i don't have it open in front of me and i haven't been on that page myself for a few days so um, i'm going from memory here but look for the word newsletter that's a clue that that's where you subscribe to the newsletter you can also subscribe to our big tent group with a link on the right hand side i think it comes right under the newsletter link uh, first thing you have to do is subscribe to the Quiltcast Supergroup. That is the big group that has subgroups then for all the quilting podcasters that are involved in that group. And there's oh a slew of us, and sometimes new one gets added. So definitely check that out. Uh, so once you subscribe to the Quiltcast Supergroup, once you're in there, then you can subscribe to whichever subgroups you choose. And I hope you choose this one. There's also a link to my quilty blog there. Um, the actual web address for my quilt blog is quiltingfortherestofus.blogspot.com. But again, you don't have to remember that. Just remember quiltingfortherestofus.com and you'll find links to everything else at that site. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com. Sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z, all one word. And you can also follow me on Twitter so I can follow you. And that's also Y and Z. All of that information, again, at risk of repeating myself, is at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. For those of you who are listeners, who have been listeners for a while, um, you'll know I've been away a while again. Uh, yeah, this summer has been really rather extraordinary for me in terms of travel. Um, I do always travel some in the summer. This year has been particularly extensive. A new listener, Pat, Again, shout out for new listeners. Everybody join in. Woohoo! Uh, commented on my travel and asked me what I did for a living. And you know, you know what? I haven't really mentioned my non-quilting life in any real specifics. Um, because actually, and you might find this surprising for a podcaster, but I'm really a fairly private person. I don't actually talk a whole lot about my personal non-quilting life all that much on this podcast, except occasionally to snark a little bit about my kids. Um, although I try not to snark about them all that often. I am actually very fortunate. I've got great kids. If only they would put their dirty dishes actually in the dishwasher instead of stacking them on the counter right on top of the dishwasher. I mean, really? An extra six inches lower? Would it kill you? Sorry, I digress. No more snarking. Um, especially because, you know what, they're both gone this weekend, <laughs> so it's it's pretty quiet in the house. I had to remind myself that, yes, I am the parent of teenagers, because here I've been gone 10 days. I'm all excited to get home, see my kids. We get hugs and kisses, spend a night sitting and watching TV and catching up with each other, and then they're both gone. You know, that's life with teenagers. Um, anyway, the travel comes from the fact that I'm on national staff with my denomination in women's and girls' ministries, and therefore I do a lot of traveling for national board and team meetings, speaking engagements, conferences, etc. So yeah, I travel a lot, but I get to meet a lot of great women that way, and I'm 
They're doing extraordinary things in extraordinary places. It's really a, a wonderful job. I love having it. Um, and you know what? I get to meet a lot of great women through my quilting life, too. Um, there are really just a whole lot of great women out there doing great things. I love it. It kind of makes me proud to be female. I have a correction that I need to make from a previous episode, and at this point I don't really remember which episode it was. Sorry, uh, life is a little blurry for me at the moment. Uh, but I mispronounced a name. I pronounced Kafe Facet as Cafe Facet, I believe is how I pronounced it, and I really apologize for that. You know, that's just one of those things. The first time I had ever heard of him, the person who was talking to me about him, who introduced me to his work, pronounced it Cafe, and that's the pronunciation that has stuck in my head ever since. Even when I remind myself ahead of time, it's Kafe, it's Kafe, it's Kafe, I still end up slipping and saying Cafe. Um, it kind of reminds me of when I was in a reading group. I think I was maybe kindergarten, first grade, something like that. And, you know, they had the different levels of reading groups. And we would take our little books and move our chairs into a circle in the front of the room for our reading group time. And I remember uh, I was reading ahead. You know, it was somebody around the circle was reading their turn. And we were going in order and reading paragraphs. And so I skimmed ahead silently to see what I was going to have to read. And the word aisle was in my paragraph, the one that spelled A-I-S-L-E. And I knew how it was supposed to be pronounced, but I also knew it was, you know, it's a tricky word. Oh my gosh, that word's in my paragraph. So I kept repeating that word over and over to myself in my head. Aisle, aisle, aisle. All the time that these other kids were reading, you know, coming around the circle towards me. Sure enough, when it was my turn to read out loud, guess what? <laughs> I said, Azel, and I was just mortified for hours afterwards. I did not overcome embarrassment easily back then. Um, so I've gotten a lot easier, you know, I guess you get to a certain level where you embarrass yourself frequently enough, you get better at just passing it off. But anyway, uh, Kafe, I am sorry about that. I'm sure he is not listening to this podcast. But to all of you who are a little bit confused, I apologize. So, Sandy updates. Um, not much, you know. I've been on the road. Uh, I've got, now I have bought fabric <laughs> on all of my trips, and I've got so much beautiful fabric now on my cutting table waiting to be put away. I haven't even been able to spend time petting it. It's still in the shopping bags. It just kind of got tossed on the table as I was packing things and unpacking things. So, I'm looking forward to this weekend getting some time to clean out and reorganize and fold um, my fabric. I've mentioned on a way back on one of my very early episodes the folding method I use for fabric and how I store it and organize it. And so um, if you're interested in that, I don't know, episode two, episode three, four, somewhere in there. Um, and I actually had pictures back then as well for this folding method. So if you're interested in that, take a trip back in time and dig up that episode. But anyway, I hope to be able to do that this weekend. And mostly, you know, this is one of those, you know, you're a quilter when moments. I got to pet it. You've just got to pet your fabric. And the fact that I haven't had time to even do that much yet is killing me. So I hope to do that this weekend. Um, I did dutifully take both of my sewing machines in to be cleaned while I was gone. I just picked them up yesterday afternoon. Um, the aforementioned son, who doesn't get dishes in the dishwasher at all times, he did actually offer to come with me to go get my machines, because one of them's a little bit heavy. And so he came with me to pick up my machines. Thank you. So I'm hoping, again, that they're both still in their cases, haven't even gotten unplugged. Hope to get to that this weekend and maybe get in some sewing time. Uh, but that's only if I get some sleep and can be trusted around sharp objects. <laughs> the jury's still out on that. 
Um, I have a thank you to send out to Lady Rags. Shout out to Lady Rags. Woohoo! Uh, Lady Rags left a comment about quilting podcasts in general, and she gave the web addresses for all of them on the forum of the Quilt Show webpage. And I got to tell you, I got a lot of hits off of that comment. Thanks so much, Lady Rags. I can see when I go into my stats, I can see where traffic is coming to my podcast page from. And it was a surprisingly high percentage came from that comment in the Quilt Show forum. So thank you, Lady Rags. And I'm saying that um, not only to express my thanks to Lady Rags, but also to say to all the rest of you, if you like a podcast, if you like a blog, it really helps out the podcaster or the blogger if you mention them regularly and leave their links all over the place. Um, You know, you can also, I've got some traffic on my blog from where I've been listed on other listeners' blogs, so just you know, mention it in forums, give the links, mention it in your own blog, um, you know, whatever. Just spread the word, because it really does help. And I want to let you know, I'm also returning the favor. I am listing my listener blogs in a couple of places as well. I make sure I mention them where I can. Um, Mainly in the newsletter is where I do highlight those. So hopefully I'm returning the favor. And, you know, speaking of blogs and listener blogs particularly, I do want you to know that even when my Google Reader is overflowing with unread blog entries, because when I take a few days before I get to read them, I often come back to finding, you know, 150 blog entries, and who has time? So a lot of times I'll go through and just mark them all as read, mark them all as read, and just kind of get them out of my box and catch up later. But I never do that with my listener blogs. I always faithfully read them. I love reading your blogs. I enjoy uh, picking up tips from you, seeing photos of your projects in process um, or the completed ones. So I really appreciate when you send me what your blog address is because I do follow them. I'm, I'm really very intentional about that. And those of you who have subscribed to the newsletter, you will notice that I do ask for listener blogs there. And that's why, because I want to know what you're writing and I want to be able to follow it. Um, Let me just make a note there, though. There's some of you that have been silent out there for a while. I'm, you know, kind of looking for new postings on your blogs. So if you haven't blogged in a while, you're starving some of us. So um, get on there. Even just shoot us a few lines to let you let us know what's up with you. Um, I did ask Jay, listener Jay, you've heard me talk about her before, I asked for her permission to share with you a tip that she had in her blog, I think it was back in June. I had actually gotten this blog, or this tip as soon as she did it, but it took me a little while to get around to doing it myself and see how it worked. And what she did is she had posted instructions that she said she got from another newsletter for how to tag photos in Flickr to pull into your blog reader. Um, you know, such as Google Reader or blog lines or whatever you use. So I used her instructions and I tagged for um, traditional quilts, art quilts, and modern quilts. And now every day, um, pretty much every day, not always, but pretty much every day, I've got really wonderful pictures of quilts to look at in my Google Reader. And she'd be surprised. I you know, I tagged fairly wide categories, so I thought I was just going to be inundated with photos, but I'm really not. I really only get a handful of photos a day, so it's really not overwhelming. Um, so rather than me try to explain how to do it here or in my own show notes, what I'm going to do is just post the link in my show notes to Jay's blog entry on the topic so that you can check it out yourself. I may also stick it in the newsletter just to make sure you get it because it was a really easy thing to do and it was, you know, the results are fun. So thank you, Jay, for that tip, and thank you for giving me permission to um, share the wealth. And by the way, Jay, rest assured, I've gotten the Dramamine monkey off my back now. 
Y'all guys have been busy while I've been away. I noticed there's a few new reviews in iTunes. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. And by the way, Bolton Lane, I totally wish I could come to your quilting retreat too. Okay, some listener comments. I'm not, unfortunately, because it has been a while and I've got so many comments, I'm not going to be able to do my usual comment-by-comment response this time because I really want to get to the interview. Um, I just want to say thank you to Vanessa from Australia. Um, By the way, shout out for Australia. Woohoo! And it's winter there, which is really hard to wrap my head around when it's, you know, 95 degrees out and a wall of humidity outside my window. So, you know, Vanessa, just send a little cool air this way and uh, cool us off up here. So happy winter, Vanessa. And thank you to Maruto and to Dorothy for your comments as well on the show notes. And Dorothy asked if I watch work of art. She referred to um, episode 18 in which we discuss art versus craft versus hobby. And Dorothy, yes, we watch work of art here in this family. It's, It's a bravo. It's a reality show. And it's actually an art challenge competition. If you haven't watched Work of Art before, I would recommend it. It's really, it's a fascinating look into the creative life and how art comes to be, etc., etc. I will also warn you, it's pretty raw <laughs> sometimes. You know, um, they they are artists who are expressing themselves, themselves artistically and a lot of times no holds barred. Um, so please don't be offended by the fact that I'm recommending this to you if you are ever offended by anything you see on the show. But just in terms of following somebody's uh, creative process, it's a really interesting show. Um, Tanya Tanya, you sent me link to your photos in your Facebook page that's related to the Creativity Challenge, but unfortunately, I couldn't get the links to work. So um, you can either try sending them to me again or try maybe this. Try posting the link on the wall in the Quilting for the Rest of Us Facebook page and see if that works any better, since Facebook to Facebook might play nicely nicely in the sandbox. And that's a, a nice way for me to get a, a, a cheap plug in there for the Quilting for the Rest of Us page in Facebook, so please like us. Jackie left a response on the You Know You Are a Quilter When page. It's been a while since we've had one of those, so thank you, Jackie. Um, Jackie says, You Know You Are a Quilter When You Take Your Featherweight and Several Projects With You On a Road Trip to Visit Friends and Family Because You Just Might Have Time to Do Some Quilting Before You Get to Bed in Your Hotel Room. <laughs> that is definitely optimism working there. Thank you, Jackie, for sharing that. Um, I wonder how many of us have done the same thing, and even more so, I then wonder how many of the rest of us actually do so. <laughs> after we've logged all that stuff with us. Some other folks left comments on my blog. Thanks to Denise in PA, who, by the way, uh, she has shared a story about a quilt that she almost didn't finish as well in her blog. And she left the blog, uh, the... Okay, mental burp, sorry. She left the web address for her blog in that comment. Um, but just very quickly, it's http colon slash slash mylifeandquilts.blogspot.com. So definitely go visit her blog as well um, and tell her I sent you. And thank you so much to Country Girl, Jay, Debbie, and Anne. And also for the email from Pam. Uh, and by the way, Pam, I think I emailed you back. <laughs> I hope I did. Um, let me know. Unfortunately, if I respond to somebody like off my cell phone, it doesn't always show up in my computer email version. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. It's a little bit random, so I don't know for sure that I responded to you. I hope I did. So that segues us up into the couple of comments that um, really lead very nicely into uh, an episode about Hawaii. Mary Sarah 
left a comment on my latest blog entry. I posted sort of a little cheater blog entry, mostly to let you all know I was still alive, uh, that I just talked a little bit about what I was going to be podcasting about. And so she responded, what a great trip, Hawaii and quilting. What could be better? What indeed? And that's the perfect segue into this episode. Um, But I do also want to mention that Celia... Also from Australia, apparently I've got a growing fan base in Australia, love it, someday I hope to get there. Anyway, Celia left a comment that she um, is in Melbourne, and in September she's off to the U.S. for a holiday, and her first stop will be in Hawaii, so she's interested to hear if I come across any quilting shops. And, yep, I did, and I'll be talking about them. Um, Celia, you did mention Fabric Mart. And I had obviously seen that. That's a, a chain store um, that's in a couple of the different islands, I think. And that is one that keeps coming up in all the Google searches. And so I did have a couple of them. Um, I had addresses for them. They weren't as easy for me to get to from where I was, and especially when I didn't have a car the first day I was there. Uh, but what really kept me from going to visit them is a few review comments I read on Fabric Mart. Their prices are apparently fantastic, and they have a huge amount of fabric of any kind. It's not just quilting fabric. They have a variety of fabric, but they have a lot of 100% cotton as well. Um, But what I heard is that they're not particularly well organized, and a lot of stuff is just stacked, so you have to be willing to take the time to dig to find what you want. And unfortunately, I just really didn't have that kind of time. I was not ever in a position where I could have gone in and spent a lot of time really just pawing through a store to find things. So I ended up deciding to give the Fabric Mart a pass. But I did hear, you know, for people who do have that kind of time and and the commitment to go in and, and dig through and find what they needed, that they really do have very good prices. I do also want to make a note that in one of the reviews I read on one of the, um, I, I found a review on one of the stores I did visit. And A lot of the commenters had said what a great store it was, but one person had said, boy, their prices were so high. And so I was kind of expecting, I'm going to have to pay a little more when I get there. Actually, the prices on their 100% quilters cotton were lower than what I pay for here in Western New York. So, um, you know, price is relative, guys. It depends on what part of the country you live in. (laughs) It also depends on what stores you normally shop in and that kind of thing. I found the prices in that um, the stores in Hawaii to be at least equivalent to what I pay here, if not a little bit less, and in some cases significantly less. So, you know, keep that in mind when you're reading reviews that a lot of stuff is relative and you really just have to kind of go find some stuff out yourself. So, let's talk about my trip to Hawaii. First, I did do a little homework before I left, and I was doing a little bit of reading on traditional Hawaiian quilting. I've known about traditional Hawaiian quilting for a while. Um, My mom had some books on it. She really was fascinated by the designs and such. So I knew what, you know, I could look at a quilt and know if it was a traditional Hawaiian pattern or not. But other than that, I didn't know a whole lot about the history and I didn't know a whole lot about the technique, etc. So I did do a little research before I left and found a couple of particularly helpful websites. And I will put the links to those in my newsletter. So (laughs) make sure you subscribe. There are also some very good books on Hawaiian quilting that are out there. And I had decided, I thought about buying one before I went, and then I decided, no, I'd really rather wait until I get to Hawaii and then buy it in Hawaii, even if it is at a Barnes and Noble in Hawaii, but then it would be a souvenir. However, 
Um, once I got to Hawaii and had started buying some of this fabric, etc., I realized my suitcase was in real danger of becoming overweight. And, you know, thank you very much. Only one of us can have that problem at a time. So I ended up not buying the books while I was there, but I took pictures of the covers so that I would remember what books I was going to buy when I got home. Um, so I will also give the information about those books in the newsletter because I did sit in the bookstore and thumb through them so I knew what was in them and that they were the kind of book I had been looking for. You can get Hawaiian quilt patterns in a lot of different places. The the books that I was looking for, I really wanted something that was more almost historical, I guess, not so much the history of quilting, but would have photos of Hawaiian quilts from a variety of periods. And one of those books, I think, does have that in there. I did, however, uh, read one book before I left, and it was The Aloha Quilt by Jennifer Chiavarini, and it's part of her Elm Creek uh, Quilter series. She did have a lot of information in there about Hawaiian quilting, and so I read it, you know, in the summer, kind of to get myself in the mood for being out there. And um, it was actually, I believe it's set in Maui, which is where I then spent a few days of vacation after the conference was over. Uh, so... I was really interested to kind of get a feel when I was out there for how much of her history and information about Hawaiian quilting seemed accurate. And it really was. She did do her homework. So in terms of Hawaiian quilting itself, the Aloha Quilt, be it a fiction novel, is actually a pretty good resource for learning about um, Hawaiian quilting as well. So I do recommend that book um, as well. Besides, it's a great beach read. So pick it up. I did visit two quilt shops while I was there and just had a wonderful experience in both of them. I cannot say more about customer service and about their the time that they took to work with me and meet with me and um, answer my questions and help me find what I was looking for. It was really, really wonderful. And, and actually, we found that everywhere we were in Hawaii, um, all the staff of every shop and everything that we went into were just really warm and welcoming um, and friendly. Uh, so the first quilt shop I visited, I had Googled ahead of time and found um, that there was Anne's Hawaiian Quilt Shop was a mere 10-minute walk from the hotel where I was staying in Waikiki for the conference. And so my travel schedule was such that I flew in, I got there on a Thursday night, and my conference proper didn't really start until Friday dinner. So I had all day Friday to myself. And I spent a little bit of time hiking. I did the Diamond Head um, Crater hike. And then just spent some time kind of wandering around and heading to the beach and I didn't go swimming but I just wandered about the beach and took a lot of pictures and then walked over to this uh, quilt shop and I will say it's hard to find I'll give you a little more information about that later but it was really worth it um, Anne is the person that I did the interview with so I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about her store now you're going to get more of that later but just in terms of the category of quilt shops I visited she had some fabric not a ton she had a fair amount of thread a few notions but her real emphasis is that she's a designer and a teacher so she has kits galore and patterns galore all that she designed um, beautiful samples on the wall there was a student there when I visited so I was able to see an actual traditional Hawaiian quilt in progress as well um, she was almost finished with it and you'll hear some reference to that in the the interview if I had had any more time if I had planned ahead I certainly would have taken Anne up on her offer to have a class it's a very small very intimate setting and taking a class from Anne really would have been the memory of a lifetime um, Anne if you're listening to this I am sorry that I did not have time to do that with you because I really would have really enjoyed that opportunity the second quilt shop that I visited um, 
I had also Googled ahead of time. Now, you need to know, so I did a lot of Googling on Hawaiian quilt shops, and I actually came up with very little through my Google research. But then I went to my own local quilt shop here near me, and they had one of those quilter, um, what's it called, the Quilter's Travel Companion. And I looked up Hawaii, and that's where I actually found the information I needed. So that was, you know, one instance in which the printed book actually beat out the internet, which, you know, I'm not used to thinking that way anymore. Um, So if you're traveling, I recommend that Quilter's Travel Companion. It's very helpful. So the, the second shop that I found, I actually, I believe I found it through that book. And it's called So Special. And that one's in Maui. It's in actually a shopping center like a a mall and I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name of the shopping center Um, I will put all the information for both of these quilt shops in the show notes I will put them on the page of my show notes that's labeled quilt shop so you'll be able to get all the information there Um, so special is much more of a kind of a traditional quilt and fabric shop the way I'm used to Uh, tons and tons of bolts of fabric of all types um, but a particularly nice selection of um, tropical prints Hawaiian prints and a ton of batiks. That store had a lot, a lot of batiks. Um, I wasn't in the market for batiks. I wandered over and I pet some of them, but I kept myself limited because, again, overweight suitcase issue. I didn't want to buy too much. And I really wanted to focus on, you know, the, the prints I could find more easily in Hawaii than I can here at home. So I bought just the tropical prints. That one had, they also had patterns, they had kits, their walls were just full of samples, gorgeous samples. I did take pictures in both of these places, by the way, so I will be posting photos. Um, A couple will go in the show notes, the rest will go on my blog. I bought the fabric that I bought, I bought there from Anne in Waikiki, I bought some of the kits and patterns. From So Special, I bought my fabric. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that in my audio show and tell. I was there in the middle of a weekday, so I think there was only one, maybe two other people in the shop um, at the time. The two women who were working in the shop, therefore, gave me, I got a lot of individualized attention. Um, They were ready to ask my questions, but they weren't like in my face all the time, you know, when I was wandering around and I I had to borrow some scratch pad and a pencil to uh, do some math because I didn't have any of my calculators or any of my figures with me. Um, So they were helpful there to ask, to answer my questions, etc., And I did, I bought a sashiko kit while I was there, and the person that was helping me took the time to actually prepare the thread for me in case I decided to start working on it while I was in my hotel or the plane, because I didn't have any of my notions with me. I didn't bring scissors or anything. So she did everything so that all I'd need was the needle and the thread and the kit. Everything was right there in the, the kit. She also gave me a fast demonstration. Uh, She, too, offered to give me a little class to spend a little time teaching me. But, you know, at that point, I was already pushing it a little bit with how long my husband had been cooling his heels. We were going hiking that day, and we stopped at the store on the way, and I figured, you know, I really probably better get going. So I didn't uh, take her up on the class either. So those were the two classes or two quilt shops I visited. I highly recommend both of them. So Celia from Melbourne, if you're in Waikiki or Honolulu, look up Anne. If you're in Maui, check out So Special. Both of them are way, way worth the stop. I loved them both. And tell them I sent you. I will post the addresses and the websites on the show notes and on the page labeled shops again. And once they're on the page labeled shops, they stay there. So if you're, you know, traveling six months, a year from now, you should still be able to find that information. So for the audio show and tell, what did I buy? Well, I already mentioned that at Anne's Hawaiian Quilt, she was, you know, a beautiful designer. So I got 
I think maybe three kits altogether, sort of of progressively more difficult patterns. The first one, uh, she has this design for a very small, I believe it's a hibiscus, um, if I know my flora appropriately, and it's actually pre-basted, so all I have to do is do the actual applique, and it's a needle turn applique, applique technique. Um, I took a class on that once, didn't do real well, so I thought, okay, something this small, I should be able to practice and, and get a little better at it, um, and then it actually comes with a frame. You don't, you I mean, I could if I chose to, but this particular kit comes with a frame right in it, so once I get this piece applique down and a little bit of embroidery on it to do the detail, I can just stick it in this frame and I'm done. I can call it a souvenir. Um, and then the other two kits I got were progressively more difficult and complex. So, you know, one of them I'll probably still be working on 20 years from now, but at least I will always have that memory. Um, Anne really is a very talented designer, and I was just so grateful for her time that she was willing to sit down and talk with me and do the interview that I really wanted to support her business as well. So make sure you go visit her and make sure you let her know that you heard this interview. Um, the fabric that I bought at So Special, I got half yards of four different tropical prints. It's basically, it's all the same print, it's just four different colorways, and it's a tone-on-tone. Tone. I think it's also the hibiscus. That's sort of a very common uh, Hawaiian print. Um, I haven't decided really what I'm going to do with these. I'll probably do something with printing some of my Hawaii photos on fabric, and I'll probably use these as sashing or something. I haven't really decided yet. Um, I've Frankly, I've got to get some UFOs done before I can you know, start another project. So those are going to be a little ways down the, the way, but I love the fabric that I bought. The other thing I got is actually something called bark cloth, which I had not heard of before. It's another, it's very common in Hawaii. I don't know the history. I'm sorry, I should have looked this up before I did the podcast as to whether it was actually, you know, invented in Hawaii or, or something. But it's 100% cotton, but it's got more texture to it. And it's, I guess it's a slightly looser weave or it's thicker threads or something. So it's, it's kind of a heftier fabric. The, the store, the person in the store told me it does shrink a lot. Uh, but she said it's very soft to start with. And she said it just keeps getting softer and softer with time. So what I ended up doing was buying, I think I got four yards each of two different prints and I'm going to just make you know one on the front and one on the back I'm going to do a really fast sort of a tied version just so I can have a tv cuddle quilt um, to remind me of Hawaii because I'm, I'm really looking forward to this like I said it's soft to begin with and I can just imagine it with just a thin layer of batting in there and some quick uh, machine quilting just to nail it all together wash it a few times I think it's going to be really really cozy and a little bit of a reminder of tropical sunshine in the midst of our cold winters up here in the northeast. I already mentioned that I got the sashiko kit as well. I did not actually start it when I was there, but I did uh, when I got home. Actually, the day I got home, I got off the plane at something like 10.30 or 11 in the morning and was completely hammered because it was a 15-hour travel all the way home, most of that being on planes. And as you heard me mention to Jay earlier, I take Dramamine when I fly. So I was really pretty fried by the time I got home, but I had to stay awake until bedtime. And so finally, mid-afternoon, as I was dozing on the couch, I made myself grab that sashiko kit and start it. And if you can do this while you're hammered on Dramamine and no sleep and different time zones, you know it's easy to do. I mean, this was really uh, fun stuff. And... um it's basically, if you're not familiar with sashiko, it's a traditional Japanese effect that started out as um, 
quilting on clothing. It has now developed into simply surface embroidery, and it's a very thick white thread. It's actually even thicker than pearl cotton, and it's a pretty heavy embroidery needle on a plain indigo fabric. And it's just the designs. And so the kit that I bought is a pre-stamped design. It's two dolphins, kind of, you know, curved over each other. Um, And you just stitch along the lines. And it's a very, very simple process. You don't even use a hoop. You just kind of hold it in your hand and just stitch away. And I'm really enjoying it. I'm already better than half done. And when I'm done with this, I could turn it into a pillow or I could make it into a small wall hanging. I think I'm actually going to maybe stretch it over um, a canvas art frame and just, you know, staple it to the back and just hang it as is in my daughter's room. Probably she's, you know, big into dolphins and she's also big into Japanese art. So this would be a nice combination of both of those. So I could easily see myself doing more of these. They would make pretty nice uh, Christmas gifts and such. So I, I really enjoyed that. If you haven't tried any sashiko, I would encourage you to do it. It's it's a nice, relaxing sort of thing to do. Um, I also bought a couple of applique patterns and that kind of thing. You know, it, it's funny because, yeah, they're the ones that I've seen them online. I've seen them in catalogs. But you buy an applique pattern of a bird of paradise in Hawaii, and it feels much more real to you than if you just, you know, you're sitting in the Northeast ordering it online. Um, so, again, who knows when those will actually get done, but they will always remind me of a wonderful, wonderful time. So that's my um, audio show and tell. And uh, I do have one more set of fabric that I bought that I actually bought as a present for a lucky listener. I bought a collection of Hawaiian print fat quarters, and they are just waiting for a new home. So to have your name entered for a drawing, all I want you to do is post a comment on the show notes for this episode telling us a quilt-related vacation story. In other words, a time that you found a great quilt shop while you were on vacation or someone bringing you a quilty souvenir from a trip or, you know, spending time on vacation working on a quilt project that then becomes your own souvenir of the trip, whatever, however you want to interpret relating quilts to vacation. Um, Anyone who posts their story by, I don't know, let's say August 20th will have their name entered in the drawing and you will get a collection of really cute Hawaiian print Um, fat quarters. By the way, not a hula girl or a surfboard among them, as far as I remember. I think they were just floral prints. So, on to the interview. As I mentioned earlier, I had done a little googling before I left town um, and discovered that this Anne's Hawaiian Quilts was only a 10-minute walk away, and so I had that time. I hoofed it to the quilt shop. Um, Celia, by the way, if you visit this one, I did walk by the door a couple of times before I finally figured out where it was. It's on Lure Street in Waikiki, and what you have to do is look for an Irish-style pub named Kelly O'Neill's, and you go through the door next to it. The um, Anne's Wine Quilts is not actually at street level, nor does it, you know, it doesn't have a sign at street level. You have to look for the street number, and then you go in that door where the street number is, and you're in this little lobby with an elevator, and there's a sign... Um, next to the elevator with all the different businesses that are in there so you can see her name on there you take the elevator up to the eighth floor once you're off the elevator you go through this other door and you're kind of in this sort of smallish lobby area that looks like you're in another business but it's not really you're in kind of a hallway just keep going (laughs) you know I thought I had made the wrong turn two or three different times in this process but her door is marked once you get up onto that right floor and you can see it Um, so you know just be persistent get there it's definitely worth it and Anne was gracious enough to sit down with me and do a very off-the-cuff interview 
I didn't know I was going to be doing an interview, so I didn't have time to think out what questions I would ask. I just always carry my digital voice recorder with me in my purse when I'm on these business trips. Um, I certainly didn't have time to prepare her. She was a little nervous at first about sitting down with me, but, you know, I told her, I've been told I'm easy to talk to, so let's give it a shot. And, you know, I think it turned out pretty well, considering just a couple of notes that I want to make before we get into the interview, and then I'll, I'll let Anne carry the rest of the show for me. Um, you will hear her radio going in the background. To tell the truth, I'm so used to tuning that kind of thing out. You know, again, I live with teenagers. There's always music going in the background, and I just ignore it. Um, I didn't even think about it until several minutes into the interview, and at that point, I decided it didn't seem to be that loud, so I would just run with it. I don't think it's overly distracting. I hope it isn't. Um, But just look at that as, you know, some you're going to be hearing some popular Hawaiian radio tunes and they'll give you a little island flavor during the interview. Um, Anne mentions at one point visiting Hana on Maui, or Hana. I'm not really sure which way you pronounce it, Hana or Hana. Um, And she refers to the three-hour drive and that you can buy t-shirts that say something like, I survived the road to Hana. Um, Yeah, I survived the road to Hana. (laughs) It is not just a three-hour drive. It's a three-hour drive of really insanely twisty turny roads, switchbacks, one-way bridges, steep cliffs, occasional crazy drivers to boot. Um, I survived it, but barely. (laughs) I think I actually had my eyes closed, and I probably even really whimpered once or twice. I'm terrified of heights, and some of those cliffs were just a little too much for me to take. Uh, But there is some beautiful scenery on the the way. The three hours is just the driving. There's a lot of places you stop along the way to do a little hiking, um, to go inland, or to go to the coast. It's really worth doing it. Um, Just be prepared, you know, that it's it's not for the faint of heart. I do also have another apology to offer. You will hear me use the phrase stateside a couple of times in the interview. Now, mind you, when I did this interview, I'd only been in Hawaii for a matter of hours. I realized shortly after this interview was over that the proper terminology would have been mainland. Obviously, Hawaii is a state, so it is stateside itself. I apologize to any Hawaiians who might be listening to this. I am much better educated now. Um, Anne also mentions places that you can take quilt lessons while there, and I discovered the morning after this interview that my own hotel, which was a Sheridan, had free quilt lessons available almost daily, free ones. With my conference schedule, I couldn't actually do it, but if you're planning a trip to Hawaii, you should definitely check out quilt classes that might be available not only through local quilt shops, but also through hotels or other venues. You might be surprised. Again, Celia, take note um, and report in when you come back. We want to hear stories. So uh, with no further ado, I am now going to share with you the interview. I will not be coming back to say anything when it's over. I will let it speak for itself. So make sure that when you're done listening to the interview, uh, don't forget the challenge. Don't forget the drawing, all of those good things. Leave me comments, all that kind of stuff, and definitely go get your quilty on. Here is the interview. So if you could just start by introducing yourself. Okay, I'm Sayuri, it's a Japanese name, smallly. Sayuri Ann Fujiwara. And uh, actually, Ann, I go by Ann um, in a quilting business. And I opened this shop like four years ago already, four and a half years ago. And um, I live, I have lived here uh, for the last 22 years. Mm-hmm. And I was a quilter because I was in Ohio as a foreign exchange student from Japan. Mm-hmm. So I learned how to do patchwork. Um, American quilt mm-hmm. and then I moved here uh, when I was in uh, college and then I just keep doing my patchwork mm-hmm. but I went to Maui mm-hmm. and it's a Hana 
which is actually the east part of Maui. Mm -hmm. And it takes about three hours driving on a really um, small road, you know, really um, a small road. So there is a t-shirt that are saying that, oh, uh, you survived Hana or survived uh, <laughs> the way to Hana or something. Mm -hmm. But that place is really beautiful and the hotel is really something. It's very in the nature. Mm -hmm. and. They don't have TV in the room, so actually the customer can enjoy the natural mm -hmm. um, beauty of the plants or air or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then that was like 15, 17 years ago. They had a beautiful Hawaiian quilt bedspread in mm -hmm. the room, and I just fell in love with it. And ever since, when I came back to Oahu, I found the teacher who can just teach me Hawaiian quilt. Mm -hmm. And then ever since. I just keep doing Hawaiian quilt. Mm. Well, it certainly is beautiful, and I'm looking around your shop with all these samples here, just gorgeous. Yeah. How do you find the Hawaiian, traditional Hawaiian style of quilting different from um, the United States style of patchwork? Actually, as you see, it's a symmetric. Mm -hmm. And it's not small pieces to small pieces, you know, like a patchwork mm -hmm. uh, work. Uh, I guess, um, actually, I've learned uh, a little bit of a Hawaiian quilt. I mean, its history is less than 200 years, mm -hmm. so it's not that old. Mm -hmm. But Hawaiian people didn't have uh, fabric back then. Mm -hmm. And at about 1820s, a uh, missionary came to Hawaii with the wives, mm -hmm. and they found out the Hawaiian people in Hawaii don't have any clothes on. So they actually introduced how to sew, how to, I guess, wear those the dresses or suits and stuff to mm -hmm. the local people. And I guess the wives uh, start teaching the Hawaiian ladies how to sew, how to do, and stuff like that. But since Hawaiians don't have any fabrics, there's no small pieces of fabrics mm. to make a patchwork. Mm -hmm. So somehow uh, there's nothing, no books or no histories or nothing about the Hawaiian quilt. But the, the saying is, they had a like sheets, a big a piece of a uh, big piece of uh, fabric. They mm -hmm. folded into it one eighth, one quarter, or whatever, and then they just designed uh, leaves or the fruits or flowers of Hawaii, mm -hmm. and then just cut them up with that eight layers all together, and said so they open it. It looks like symmetric and bring out like the designs nowadays we call it a Hawaiian quilt. Mm -hmm. So that's the history or beginning of Hawaiian quilt. So the, the designs originally were made sort of like I used to make paper snowflakes where you yeah. fold it into pieces Correct. and then cut yeah. it out. Okay. Uh -huh. So it's just so different from patchwork. Mm -hmm. You just have to have a big piece of fabric and you have to cut it up. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really opposite actually. <laughs> and I guess you have to use it. We have to use a lot of fabric to make the one patterns. Mm -hmm. So concept is really, really different. Hmm. But it's very beautiful, and it's originally or traditionally two solid colors. So they back then they probably had only white or red, well white and uh, navies or something. Mm -hmm. So traditional quilts are actually in uh, red on white mm -hmm. or navy on white. Those are very traditional. Okay, and I imagine. I mean, I remember when I used to make the snowflakes, I really had no idea when I was cutting them out what they ended up yeah, looking like. So that's kind of... Do you get so you can see it eventually? After you've been doing it a while, you can start visualizing it better? Yeah. Well, actually, we, well, Hawaiian quilt is actually a uh, design is of uh, Hawaiian plants or fruits or mm -hmm. flowers. 
So I have to know what I'm actually making. So if I wanted to make, okay, hibiscus or pumeria, mm -hmm. then I can just see the flowers. Okay. And then I try to kind of visualize, okay, symmetric. So mm -hmm. it has to be one eighth of the pattern. So somehow I just connect those um, by leaves or by mm -hmm. branches or whatever. And I kind of imagine, you know, um, draw those mm -hmm. pictures and stuff and then I cut it. And then I actually open it and the first, when I start it, I like, well, it's not what I imagined <laughs> or it's not what I wanted. But now doing that so many times, mm -hmm. you, you can imagine what you're actually right. looking for, what you're actually doing that stuff. I know in um, traditional patchwork quilting, I think it's when you do kaleidoscopes quilts, you can get those mirrors that mm -hmm. you can put up. Mm -hmm. Do you ever use something like that, or do you just kind of trust your instinct? Yeah I, yeah, I do trust my instinct, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, some teacher was telling me to put the two mirrors like mm -hmm. this and just try to imagine. Mm -hmm. It works sometimes, but sometimes it doesn't because you need to details or a big quilt. You cannot mm. use the huge mirrors. You, you can just use maybe pillow size. Right. So after that, you just have to use your imagination to just how to do it. And also, it helps if you can actually use the big piece of paper mm -hmm. to just cut it you know, yourself, not imagination okay. uh, that you use in it. So that's how you actually succeed your own design. But right. that's a different story. So some people just uh, enjoy designing their own f patterns, mm -hmm. or some people just enjoy just doing someone's patterns, you know, right. like you can buy it at a bookstore mm -hmm. um, here locally and just try to make uh, what kind of fruits or flowers mm -hmm. you're actually looking for. And another good thing about one quilt is that design has uh, meanings or stories behind it sometimes. Not everything. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of nice to know Hawaiian culture behind the patterns. Or Pele, who's the goddess of a big island, the fire mm -hmm. um, goddess of jealous story. Mm. Stuff like that. It's interesting. You should go to a bookstore borders or mm -hmm. Barnes and Nobles and try to find the legends of Pele or legends of Hawaiian tales or something. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. So just like in U.S. Uh, stateside patchwork where certain blocks have sort of stories behind them or um, mm -hmm. sometimes controversial whether the meaning is yeah, <laughs> actually yeah, what yeah. they are, but that's the same with at least some mm -hmm. maybe yeah. more traditional Hawaiian yeah. patterns. There's mm -hmm. Are there any particular symbols that tend to always mean the same thing whenever they crop up? Uh, I don't know, I'm not sure. But, uh, like one pattern I can, for example, I can show you. That's the one she's actually doing it right now. Mm -hmm. It's a ulo, it's a breadfruit. Okay. And you actually, I found this tree at Alamoa Shopping Center. May I take a picture? Yeah, go ahead. Anyway, she's Mari, she's my one of the students. Hello. <laughs> So this is a breadfruit. Yeah, breadfruit. And this is the same as like a taro for Hawaiian people. Taro is the basic of Hawaiian people's food. You know, that mm -hmm. is actually the Asian of Hawaiian people too. But you can that is beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And this part is a fruit. Okay. And then um, taro and uh, ulu, is, uh, if you have those trees or uh, fields, or patches at home, you can just feed your families. Okay. So it's a huge uh, fruit, mm -hmm. and that actually means you can just bring out your uh, fruitful, nice quilt life. So if you mm. wanted to start one quilt, uh, this would be the pattern that you wanted to start with. Okay. 
So it would symbolize sort of abundance for life. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's all hand applique and hand quilted. Yeah. That's very this. impressive. <laughs> that's why she's been working on this quilt for the last two years. Two years. Two years. Two years. Two years. <laughs> two years. Two, years. <laughs> <laughs> two and a half years. I mean, it doesn't mean that she was actually working on it right. every day. She just didn't work on it for like a certain time or period. And <laughs> maybe two, three months to make this wall hanging. Right. It's a 45, 45 by 45 wall hanging. Mm -hmm. But yeah, just a couple stitches at a time. So all of the um, quilts that you see you know, in all the shops and everything right. here. Are they all absolutely always done handmade, or now that there's such a tourist industry around them, are some starting to be more machine done? Or am I, I not allowed to ask that? Uh, no, it's okay. I mean, for my point of view, mm -hmm. I could talk about it, but mm -hmm. they probably hate me, but <laughs> those, uh, my auntie, auntie is my teacher. Okay. And why auntie is like, any of your older you know, friends or mm -hmm. teachers, they all, we call it auntie. According to my aunties, those are souvenirs. Mm -hmm. Just the souvenirs. Because they're actually made in Philippines. Oh, okay. And because the labor is cheaper. Right. And if you can take a look at my quilt or her quilt mm -hmm. and go to the souvenir shop and take a look at their quilt, mm -hmm. it's different. All right. of it is very different. Um, so according to my aunties, our quilts are art, mm -hmm. not the souvenir. Okay. So that's the difference. That's so, a, a helpful distinction. To, yeah. <laughs> well, I know, you know, as a quilter, I did stop in one of those shops and I looked at them and, and I felt like, you know, I don't know if these are really... Yeah. Handmade, yeah. It's mm -hmm. handmade, but done by hands. But Hawaiian people or local people who actually make quilts, we don't sell quilts. That's why these finished ones here, mm -hmm. I don't sell it. Mm -hmm. I just display it for people to just see the colors or designs. Mm -hmm. So... I don't think many Hawaiians do sell those quilts. Mm -hmm. Maybe we're making for friends mm -hmm. something and get a little bit of like fabric pay, you know, uh, cost or something. Right. But we don't really charge for the, the labor. Okay. I mean, some people sell it, but I don't believe in that. So it would be hard to know how much how to much charge for right. them. Given and then the it's going to be too much if I calculate my time and right. hours and my labors in it. So just let it. You know, just be like, oh, it's nice. Yeah, you can just join with me and you can learn how to make it so mm -hmm. you can enjoy yourself and also you can have nice, beautiful quilts later on. So. Right. So anybody who's listening to this podcast should really do what I did not do and plan enough in advance to be able to set themselves up with a lesson yeah. <laughs> while they're here. Yeah. I mean, one lesson, two lessons would be recommended because the first one, I actually teach them how to cut eight layers of uh, fabric so they can just enjoy later on themselves right, right? Okay. and then the second one when you finish applique you can just come back here to learn how to do quilting mm -hmm. maybe uh, American patchwork quilting same as the Hawaiian quilting quilting but it's probably nice to just learn how to do right. um, a little bit different you can tell right yeah those lessons are recommended but um, I'm the only shop real Hawaiian quilt shop here in Waikiki, but mm -hmm. you can go to the souvenir shop, mm -hmm. or you can learn, like, Royal Hawaiian Shopping Center offers the free lessons, um, I don't know, once a week, mm -hmm. or uh, Marriott has that too. Hmm. So just experience, you know, just try to um, 
get on the internet and try to find out free lessons or quilt lessons or some, something, you know. So then you can at least see right. the real quilt right. here. And the style of applique that you use for the, the um, centers themselves, is that like a needle turn yeah, applique? Needle turn, kind of yeah, needle turn, yeah. Okay. I've taken one class on that, and I really stunk, so <laughs> I think I'd have to learn a lot better before I could take on that kind of a pattern. Yeah, it's not hard. It's quite simple. It's just one way of, you know, making stitches. It's right. not hard. But to make a smaller stitches or nice, neater stitches, I mm -hmm. think it, it uh, takes a lot of experience or right. practice. Yeah, that's most of it. Like any of quilting is, yeah. is the practice. But once you know it, you know, you can just make whatever. Mm -hmm. So, basics very important, but once you're lying, that's it. Now, what about the quilt scene here in Hawaii? Like in, in the States, there's a lot of quilt guilds and that kind of thing. Does that, are yeah, there guilds have, here? Uh, one guilt, a guilt. It's a Honolulu guild or Hawaiian, some kind of guild in downtown Honolulu. You can just uh, Google it or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think that's only one. And they have a quilt show once a year in May. It's nice to visit, mm -hmm. but it's not only one quilt. They okay. have a patchwork and everything. So all styles. And then uh, Bishop Museum only shows one quilt. I hope other museum has more quilt exhibition mm -hmm. going on, but I think it's so hard to uh, maintain the real quilt mm -hmm. in a good condition. It's probably harder for them to show it. So they have exhibition going every 10 years, every 5 mm. years, and Mission House's museum ha usually has a quilt exhibition every year, but the theme is different. But last okay. year was a flag quilt, the year before was breadfruit, the mm -hmm. ulu quilt. So you just have to find out when it's happening and you want it to be here in the right time. Right. Okay. The flag quilts, that's another style of traditional Hawaiian quilting, mm -hmm. and I, I just, I mean, I'm, I'm more familiar with this style. I just ran across the other. Can you talk a little bit about what a flag quilt is? It actually represents Hawaiian culture or Hawaiian people, because it always has to have Hawaii flag, which is a Union Jack. Mm -hmm. Once, uh, I think Eng England was supposed to, or was going to, own this land or something. So the England and Hawaii has a, a big, a deep connection. Mm -hmm. So Union Jack is part of the Hawaiian flag. And also um, there's uh, uh, eight island, mm -hmm. the Hawaiian island. We have eight small islands, right? Mm -hmm. So there's uh, eight stripes on the oh, side. Okay. And the color is always white, red, and uh, royal blue, the mm -hmm. navy. So that would actually um, it has uh, four different flags on the side, mm. so it's like four. And in the middle, usually um, the Hawaii is the only the country or state which the uh, United States had uh, the queen and king, king mm -hmm. and queen. So um, usually they're um, crown, mm -hmm. and then they're uh, like kahili. Kahili is like uh, the feather made. Um, like royal family has uh, on a gate or something okay. like that. Yeah, Those, we call it kahili. So it's made of bird um, feather. Okay. Those are actually in the design. Mm -hmm. So something to do with the uh, royal family. Okay. That's the the flag quilt, and then it presents Hawaiian monarchy. Okay. So that's the flag quilt. Do people still occasionally make flag quilts, or is that just something that was kind of made at one time and not? Continue? It was made a lot 
back then. Okay. I think when the Leo Kalani is the last queen of the mm -hmm. Hawaiian uh, monarchy. I think around that time, the Hawaiian people wanted to make sure the Hawaii queens or kings going to be remain there, but mm -hmm. I guess American took over. Yeah. So back then, it was a sad time for Hawaiian people, mm -hmm. so they tried to make a lot of like quilt and, and represents, you know, their feelings and stuff. But nowadays, some people make it for like fire department, okay. or some people make it for the police department. Something to do with the real Hawaiian culture. Right. So, okay. but if you go to Bishop Museum, this uh, quilt is actually made by Lydia Kalani, the mm -hmm. last queen. So it's beautiful and it's very historical. Too. I, I've read a story about her um, and a crazy quilt that she made mm. while she was imprisoned. Yeah. Do you, I mean, can you tell me anything about that? I'm, I'm probably not going to get to the Royal Palace while I'm here, unfortunately, oh, yeah, to see Oh, yeah, because you it. know what? To, in order to see the real quilt, you mm -hmm. have to take a tour there. Okay. So it takes about two and a half hours, and it starts like 9, 11, 2 or something like that. But it, if you have time next time or whenever you have time, I recommend you to go through the tour, and you can learn how it was the queens and kings in here mm -hmm. and stuff. But uh, she was actually in prison in a royal palace, which is Iolani Palace, for about nine months. Mm -hmm. So she didn't have any communication, or they don't let her do commu communicate with people outside. Mm -hmm. So she was actually in there all by herself or with the servants, whatever. So she wanted to do something to uh, express her feelings and stuff. Mm -hmm. So she learned how to do Hawaiian quilt and also a crazy quilt from the mainland. Mm -hmm. So she was actually using her silk dress part of it. Crazy, you can just use any kind right. of fabric, right? right? So she was just putting it all together and there was a made from nine pieces. And she put uh, embroidery, uh, her feelings in Hawaiian or English or anything on that piece. Hmm. So when you see it, it's really... It would be intensely yeah, moving yeah, to see. see. Wow. Especially as a quilter, I think you would yeah, understand it on a yeah. different level. You cannot even touch it. It's in a glass case, mm. but still you can just feel it, you know, right. just, just seeing that quilt. Hmm. It's very something impressive. Do a lot of um, antique quilts survive here? I mean, are there families that have quilts that have passed down or do they tend they to do. disappear? Some today? people do, but not many. Okay. And uh, Wilcox Museum in Kauai has hundreds some uh, antique quilt mm. in a very good condition. So um, I asked them if I can take a look at it. They let me see some mm. of them. It was really touching. Mm. And other stuff, other quilts. I don't think people wanted to talk about it because that's a family history, family uh, treasure. Mm. So they will keep it and yes, give it to their sons or grandsons. Or, it just keeps yeah, getting just passed keeps down. Hmm. And otherwise, I, I heard uh, uh, back then a lot of uh, people from mainland um, took the quilts back home. So there are a lot of uh, traditional Hawaiian quilts in the mainland also. Mm -hmm. And Hawaii people try to buy them back here. <laughs> to bring them but home. It's, yeah, yeah, but it's getting harder and harder. And then I heard my aunties were telling me that before, a long time ago, if the quilter died, actually their quilts actually buried with them mm. unless they left some notes like oh this quilt goes to my grandson or granddaughter mm -hmm. or whatever so it's just like that person I mean it takes forever to finish up a bedside quilt right and then you have a lot of mana mana is that feeling spirit mm -hmm. in that quilt so this person died 
but they buried it. It makes sense, you know. Right. So I don't think we have that many cult here. Mm -hmm. But if so, then maybe a lot of people contributed to uh, museums or mm -hmm. somewhere. But they have big collections, but they don't show it. Right. As often. So when it happens, you just wanted to see it, you know, make sure you go there and see the real ones. And they don't let us take a picture. So when you think right. uh, there's a book sitting around, then we just, just kind of look around. And mm -hmm. if I see the real one, yeah, I saw this one in the book. <laughs> so hmm. that, how much, you know, it's important for one people to just have it or keep it or... Right. Yeah. Like you said, it becomes a real family treasure, yeah. so they're not inclined to give right. it up. Now, I know Hawaii is... Um, probably more currently a real meld of cultures. There's mm -hmm. a lot of people from a lot of different places mm -hmm. in the world that come here and mm -hmm. live. Have you seen that um, really starting to have an impact on quilting style, or does that tend to stay separate from traditional Hawaiian quilting? I think a lot of people re think of Hawaiian quilts nowadays. I think nobody ever talked about it for a long time, and I think Hawaiian people wanted to keep it secret because mm -hmm. it's their thing. Right. But they start kind of sharing with uh, other world, mm -hmm. like maybe 20, 30 years ago. It's not that old, maybe 40 years ago. Okay. And ever since, you know, Hawaiian quilt is really beautiful, and then it's, uh, I guess, a lot of people, more people will kind of know mm -hmm. what they look like. And I think, like us, like me, I wanted to keep it traditional Hawaiian quilt has... Um, plants patterns with the two solid colors, mm -hmm. but some people try to make it more um, modern type, you mm -hmm. know, contemporary type quilt. So it's actually there, the same place, but whoever you are, wanted to keep on a track of this tradition way or contemporary way. So okay. it's mixed, but I think it depends on that quilter right. who wants to do what. So it's a nice mixture. But if you wanted to talk about the tradition of uh, one quilt, then you just have to go to the kind of person. Right, that would do the traditional. Yeah, traditional, right. yes. I'm curious, and feel free not to answer this if you don't want to, but um, <laughs> since you weren't born and raised here, yeah. did, you, did you feel that you had any problem um, convincing your aunties to actually teach you? And, and, or did, was there any sort of issue of saying, well, this is kind of our thing? Or were they very open and... They were actually open because it was like 15, 17 years ago. Maybe if it's the 30 years ago, maybe it was. Okay. But it was like more like nowadays, and people probably at the stage of wanted to introduce him more to outer world. Because they so, want to make sure the yeah, traditions sure stay alive. Because yeah. yeah. not too many people, it's sad, not too many uh, local people do one quilt because mm -hmm. it takes time. It's <laughs> yeah. a lot of work. So if uh, the grandmas did, oh, but I don't do it. Mm -hmm. So it's actually kind of dying. Mm. So I think for me to keep doing this is important for next generation. Maybe I can just um, talk about it and let the kids know or mm -hmm. what the real Hawaiian quilts are and stuff. So I think I have a mission to do that to next generation. Mm. But yeah, it's uh, not too many people are actually doing it. Yeah. Right. Well, it is. It's extremely time-consuming. Yeah. So. Well, is there anything else that you would like my listeners to know about? Uh, no, just come to Hawaii, visit Hawaii, <laughs> just to see the real Hawaiian quilts, mm -hmm. you know, to visit museums, your stores and stuff, and just try to educate yourself what's the real tradition of Hawaiian quilts are, and just enjoy, you know. And another 
another one more thing. I actually made that. You see the the little crane, um, the both there, mm -hmm. the three origami cranes mm -hmm. are in one pattern. I actually made that for um, right after 9/11 happened. Mm. So a lot of quilts wanted to do something to the victims or family right. victims, but we don't know how. So as a quilter, we just wanted to do some kind of friendship quilt. Mm -hmm. So actually, um, the 1,000 crane origami uh, cranes are symbols for the peace mm -hmm. for the world. So I designed three cranes on the, um, the one piece of fabric. Mm -hmm. And then I asked on the website and I collected 300 some pieces. So I made a huge um, quilt. The, a friendship quilt with my aunties, people from Japan, people from mainland, here. Hmm. And then it took me like three, four years to finish it with a lot of help. Mm -hmm. And then last year we found out that the um, Large Trade Center, you know, um, the place, the same the, the mm -hmm. area, they start building the memorials mm -hmm. and it's going to open up in 2012. I think something yeah. like that, yeah. So I actually personally took that quilt to them, to contribute it to them. Hmm. So it's there now. Hmm. And then if you actually arrange with the, uh, their curator or uh, the people who work there by email or something before mm -hmm. you go, and they will show you that. Hmm. So I want a lot of people to just to see it, mm -hmm. see how people felt about them and stuff, to remember, you know. Right. Because it's been nine years. Yeah. And People still remember, but some people just, oh, yeah, it just happened or something. Well, and especially kids don't have that memory yeah, necessarily. Memory now, yeah. Do you have a photo of the completed quilt on your website? Uh, I don't have on the website, but I can mail <laughs> can you. You, you should put <laughs> yeah, it on yeah, the website. I'll, uh, yeah, I will email you. Okay, because that would be something I'm, not only our listeners, but everybody would love to see something yeah, like that. So yeah. I'm sure uh, the memorial received a lot of friendship quilt mm -hmm. from all over the world. But ours is really big. And mm -hmm. also, it's actually um, the mix of the Japanese-American Hawaiian culture mm -hmm. in it. So it, it's something. That's know. wonderful. I, I love the symbol of the peace cranes. And I know yeah. when I was a teenager, I made, I wouldn't ever remember now how to do it, <laughs> yeah. but we made we them and we that. hung them all over our church. Yeah. And yeah. Uh -huh. um, well, it was wonderful. I really appreciate you sitting down oh, and talking no. with me. This thank is you for an visiting me, though. wonderful, unexpected chance. So thank you so <laughs> thank much. Thank you so much. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom.